Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of The Tap. I am your host, author Andrew Hess, and today we are covering AEW Dynamite. Now, this was, well, technically it's night two of Fighter Fest, um, even though they've been also calling Rampage uh, last week part of Fighter Fest, so I guess this is technically night three of it, realistically. Um and they came out hot and heavy again with another banger of a show. Um, we're just going to jump straight into it all <clears throat> and just kind of cover each piece one by one. Um, they started off the show with Brody King getting the win over Darby Allen. Sting had started to come out with Darby Allen, but then Sting was in the back for whatever reason. And just left it as Darby versus uh, Brody. And I mean, Brody King just absolutely demolished uh, Darby Allen, in my opinion. Uh, he, he just, he was just destroying him left and right. Uh, Darby Allen did try to put up a good fight. He tried using his quickness, speed, and athletic, uh, athletic ability, like his uh, high flying moves, uh, try to help out. But just Brody King was just, too just monstrous and then he wound up doing that whole sleeper hold uh dangling him from the from the apron to kind of choke him out and when he did so i mean darby fell to the floor just barely made it in right before the 10 count and then right afterwards uh brody king hit this weird uh, i i forgot what they called it to be honest with you but they wound up uh they wound up going and just he picks him up almost like a razor's edge, but then drops him straight into a pile driver. It was just brutal. Brody keeps on just just beating up Darby after the match is over. He's I mean, technically, he's helpless. He, he's completely out cold. Sting comes out to rescue him. He starts taking it to Brody. It uh, goes to hit the Scorpion Deathlock on Brody, and then the lights go out. Malachi Black is in the ring. Sting goes nose to nose with Malachi Black before Brody comes behind him, grabs him into that choke sleeper hold, and then Malachi spits the mist into Sting's eyes. Um, the two of them just kind of, basically Brody just continues to beat on Sting while Malachi takes a seat in the corner. And then here comes the horns. Miro comes out looking just like he is just looking fit. He is looking like he's ready to go at a moment's notice, but he's looking GQ at the same time. And he's just kind of staring down everybody. Um, I really want to just see where this goes. I mean, is, is Miro, I, I think honestly, Miro is just going to have to just whoop the house of black's ass. And Depending on when Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, whatever you want to call him, comes back, I could see this being a trio's faction. Sting, Darby, Miro, taking on uh, as as like a one-time thing, taking on the House of Black. Um, and honestly, I kind of, I actually want to somewhat see Sting versus Malachi Black. I think it might be interesting too. Uh, we wind up going backstage. We have the newcomer, 
to AEW, Cole Carter. Um, so Cole Carter is backstage. For those who don't know who he is, he was two dimes in NXT 2.0. And as they go to interview him, Ricky Starks comes over and he goes, hey, last time I heard anything about you, I heard you were sleeping with the fishes giving reference to what they did to get rid of two dimes in NXT when he was just written off unexplicably, uh, but with Tony D'Angelo coming up and saying, you know, he's now with the fishes and all this. Uh, It basically gets announced that Ricky Starks will defend the FTW championship against Cole Carter later on in the show. We'll cut to that right now. Um, Ricky Starks and Cole Carter put on a good match. Um, I do I do like Ricky Starks, but I just feel like he he needs to tweak his character and persona a bit because he just kind of seems a little I don't know. He doesn't seem a right fit. And I and I can't really put my finger on why. It's just he doesn't fit well. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he has unbelievable charisma on the microphone. It's just his character. The the way his character is, I just it does not feel like it fits. Maybe it's because of the whole FTW championship and Team Taz thing, but it just it doesn't set right with me. Uh, any which way, uh, Ricky Starks does get the win over Cole Carter. And then afterwards, he announces that he is looking for another person to defend the FTW championship against. And out comes Danhausen. Danhausen comes out and makes a challenge for the FTW championship. Ricky Starks does not go through with a match. He says for another time. But now it kind of makes you think, are they going to put the title on Danhausen and then make something with Hook and Danhausen over the FTW championship? Or is Ricky Starks going and Powerhouse Hobbs going to gang up to take out Danhausen and Hook make that decision of stay loyal to Team Taz or go to save the person who's been his friend, which is Danhausen. I don't really know where this is going to go, but I kind of want to see what happens. And truthfully, I feel like this really all should have been playing out on Rampage more than Dynamite. But I'm still okay with it either way. Next up, we had John Moxley and Yuta Wheeler getting the win over Best Friends. Now, this match was definitely interesting. Um, you had Daniel Garcia cons- constantly watching the match because he's set to take on uh, Yuta Wheeler. Um, on Saturday at Death Before Dishonor for the uh, ROH Pure Championship. So you kept on panning to him in the back. Orange Cassidy 
who he and Chuck Taylor are friends with Yuta Wheeler and had helped train him, Orange Cassidy's on commentary. And Orange Cassidy was kind of just playing it off as, you know, Yuta Wheeler being disrespectful to them. Which was definitely weird and odd for Orange Cassidy to kind of come across as. Um, I feel like it was definitely a, it was, it was a, it was downright, I mean, technical and brawl at the same time. Uh, I'm, and you actually saw best friends kind of cheating a little bit to, to try to get the edge on, uh, you to Wheeler. It's a, so much so that Moxley ends up getting frustrated at one point, starts chasing them around the ring and throws a chair at them. But in the end, you end up having Yuta Wheeler get the pin on Chuck Taylor using the seatbelt pinning maneuver, which, according to Orange Cassidy, is something that Chuck Taylor taught Yuta Wheeler. So it was interesting to see how that all took on. Next up, we had Swerve in our glory celebrating their newly won. AEW Tag Team Championships. And before they could really get into their promo, Swerve lets us know that Kevin Gates, rapper Kevin Gates, is in the crowd. And he was his guest. So they go to toast to the the championships, which brings out smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese, who now apparently... Are trying. They're still trying to get Swerve removed from the roster, and they're they're trying to use Kevin Gates to go and sign the petition to remove Swerve, even though he's Swerve's guest. I don't know how that makes any sense, but they get a little in his face. Kevin Gates comes around the the barrier. He decks Tony Nese, and. Smart Mark Sterling runs right into Swerve, who ends up throwing their celebratory cake right in Mark Sterling's face. It wasn't really a needed segment, but it was amusing at the at the very least. You saw backstage Alex Reynolds and John Silver are in the back, uh, being interviewed with the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, John Silver says, you know, the Butcher is one of his favorite wrestlers, and he even had a shirt made for him called Butch. And Alex Reynolds goes, oh, don't worry about it, uh, Blade. He goes, you know, we, we got one for you, too. And he gives him a shirt that's also just says Butch. And he goes, well, well, sorry. A brawl breaks out with them all at this point, And basically, they beat the hell out of Alex Reynolds. Adam Page comes out, makes the save. Uh, he comes out, well, he comes with into the back with a chair and makes the save. This is now setting up a tag team match for Rampage, which is going to be John Silver and Adam Page taking on the Butcher and the Blade. Um, should be an interesting match. Kind of looking forward to it. So we'll see what happens. Um, 
Next up, you had Christian and Luchasaurus getting the win over the Varsity Blondes. Um, Luchasaurus basically just destroys the Varsity Blondes. And then Christian tags himself in to get the pin. Um, Afterwards, you had Christian have Luchasaurus put him on his shoulders the kind of way that Jungle Boy usually did. And out comes Jungle Boy. Now, the segment, I actually, I thought that the way that they did this lead up was good. I just wish that he didn't bring the chair with him because I felt like the chair made him have that misstep on things. So he comes out with the chair. Luchasaurus meets him right at the end of the ramp. They just kind of stare down each other. And then Luchasaurus steps aside, joins Jungle Boy's side. Jungle Boy jumps in the ring with the chair. Christian leaves. He starts running through the crowd. And the way it should have been really uh, should have been. uh, I'll, I'll kind of get into it. So Jungle Boy drops the chair and then ducks under the ropes and then goes after Christian. Now, the way I would have done this, and this is just me, is if you're coming, if he's coming out with a chair, he should be running to that ring with that chair sliding in the ring. Christian not having like a chance to really get involved. He slides out just in time, leaving Luchasaurus in the ring with Jungle Boy. And then Jungle uh, and then Luchasaurus steps aside and sides with Jungle Boy. Or have him come out without the chair in hand and do exactly what they did. But when he jumps into the ring, Christian slides out and starts running through the crowd. Jungle Boy should be looking to see where he goes and then goes after him. It's just that little misstep on things that it's just the fine tuning makes a difference. And And that's part of the problem. Now, I'm a huge AEW fan, but they still need this fine tuning. You have a lot of you have a lot of wrestlers who are independent wrestlers. They they are doing their segments themselves with very little interaction of writers or Tony Khan influence or and that that's part of the problem is that you don't have someone that's helping to really, really strengthen and guide these wrestlers. So little things, little nuances like this can make a bigger difference. And I know I'm nitpicking on it, but seeing a guy coming out slowly with the chair in hand after he had just been betrayed weeks ago by his mentor and been concussed with the the concerto you're not going to be sitting there walking out to the ring with the chair in hand you're running out to that ring with that chair in your hand to deliver punishment or if you're going to go slowly you can go slowly and methodically but don't carry that chair because that chair means you're coming for their head right now there needs to be that sense of urgency uh we have a quick gun club promo where they're 
talking about the acclaimed and apparently there's going to be a rap battle on rampage don't really care Chris Statlander, Athena, and Willow Nightingale cut a promo backstage. Uh, later on, you had Jade and Kiera Hogan with Stokely, and apparently Jermaine Dupree was there uh, and came out with them. Get the win over Willow and Athena. Uh, Jade just kind of looks dominant. Uh, FTR cuts a good promo. Cash Wheeler put on uh, had a good promo part of it, but Dax Dax Harwood really stole that promo spot. Uh, going in depth, going into a converse, uh, a story about a five year old girl who had a heart issue. She had gone to the doctor. They did the MRIs and the X rays and this, you know, the CTs and all this kind of stuff, and they found a small hole in her heart. And the doctor said, if you fight hard enough and you work hard enough at it, you can get that to close up. And if it doesn't, then you need surgery. And Dax goes on to say that that little girl, uh, a few years later on, uh, had gone back to the doctor, went back through the x-rays and the CT scans and everything again. And that hole had closed up. And he he wound up saying, he was basically saying like, you know, that, that was my kid, you know, and he goes, so when it comes to fighting the Briscoes, I'm going to fight like an eight year old girl. And it was more of like, just that, that fight, that determination that, that his daughter had is basically, it's really just shows the, the level that FTR is going with this, with these promos. They're getting better and better by the day. Uh, Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt had a promo that gets interrupted by Christopher Daniels, setting him up, up a match uh, for the main event of Rampage, Jay Lethal versus Christopher Daniels. We had a Thunderstorm promo where uh, Thunder Rosa will be defending the Women's Championship next week uh, against... Uh, um, I'm going to butcher the name. I'm sorry. Uh, Yamashita. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter interrupt the promo and announce that they will be competing on Rampage this week. And then we get to your main event match, which was Chris Jericho getting the win over Eddie Kingston in a barbed wire match. The Jericho Appreciation Society is strung up in a shark cage above the crowd. Um, obvious, I mean, this is just a brutal, bloody match to begin with. Uh, Eddie Kingston just kind of comes out and immediately starts bashing Jericho in to make sure that he bleeds. Um, I'm not a fan of barbed wire matches. I don't really like them. I, I, I cringe when I, when I watch it, um, during towards the conclusion of the match, Ty Conti comes out and attacks Ruby Soho. Who was the one controlling the shark? Uh, the shark cage lift. Um, Anna J pulls Ty Conti back. Looks like she was going to side with Ruby, and then turns heel, joins Ty Conti by beating on Ruby Soho. They bring down the shark cage and and get the JAS out. As they come and storm the ring, Ortiz, Yuta Wheeler, John Moxley, and Claudio and Claudio Castagnoli. All come out to make the save. Um, 
At one point, Eddie Kingston has a chair wrapped in barbed wire. He goes to hit Jericho with it. Jericho hits the code breaker on Eddie Kingston, and the chair bashes Jericho in the face. And he may have a, a broken nose over that. We don't know. Either a broken nose or he bloodied it bad. Um, Sammy Guevara finally makes his return, gets in the ring, um, attacks Eddie Kingston, allowing Jericho to set up to hit the Judas effect with barbed wire around his arm, gets the win, but not for long because as they try to deliver more punishment to Eddie Kingston, he reverses it all and then throws Chris Jericho into a spider web of barbed wire to end the show. This it was a banger of a show. I enjoyed most of it. Um, again, you know, minor little details here and there work wonders. I think that they need to stop doing all these hardcore gimmicks because we don't need these guys getting busted open every single week, almost every single week without fail or every other week or, once a month at the very least, you're having someone getting like the crimson mask, just bloody uh, blood everywhere. And it's not necessary. You can still do great storytelling without the need of all this blood. That's my opinion. Um, on a side note, um, on a side note for things, uh, and I kind of wanted to address this since we were talking about Chris Jericho a moment ago. Chris Jericho, um, he wound up releasing uh, or commenting based on how things were when he had a pair up with China and wrestle with China. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little annoyed about it. I mean, the, the comments that he made were just, it's not necessary, especially after all these years. Uh, he quoted and saying, terrible. She was terrible to work with. She wasn't good, but she thought she was. And she was also in a position where she was being pushed really big so she could beat up guys. She couldn't. And like, I never got that credit. No one ever said I made her look good. It was the other side of the coin. I got in big trouble because at one point when I first started working with her, Vince said to me, don't treat her like a woman, treat her like a wrestler. And she was really stiff too. worked very strong. I'm not talking bad about her. It's just the truth. When we worked together, it was a solid fight in many ways. I remember one time she got a little bit of a black eye from me and you would have thought that I cut her arm off with the chainsaw. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I didn't do it on purpose. But what do you expect? It was a tough position for me to be in. It was my first real angle in WWE, but I did the best that I could. I hope that I proved some things, but there were a lot of issues working with her. Why? What's, what's the point in having to go on a rant about her on this? Couldn't just like let it be. Couldn't let it just sit there and be like, hey, you know what? I had a difficult time working with her. Um, you know, it, it was a very physical, I was told to not treat her like a, a woman. I had to treat her, um, 
you know, I had to treat her like a, a wrestler and it got very physical on the ring. She worked a bit stiff, but we did the best we could. Why couldn't you just said that and left it at that? Instead, you're drudging up and running her, her name through the mud. And even though you're sitting there saying you're not talking bad about her, but you are. Oh, boy. All right. That is going to end the show for today. I am done with this. Um, I'm going to be coming back at some point this weekend for uh, Rampage. We have SmackDown. I'm going to see if I can get the ROH Death Before Dishonor results to bring to you. So we got a lot of wrestling coming this weekend. So stay tuned. Until next time, I am author Andrew Hess, and this has been The Tap.